0: For me, fashion is a verb, so it's to fashion. My name's Claire Press, and I'm Vogue Australia's sustainability editor. You're listening to Wardrobe Crisis. I just think it's curiosity at the core of it. Like, I just really want
1: to know the answer to things. You talk about revolution in 68? No, we make the revolution before... Can we just go back to making really beautiful clothes with a sole and minimize
0: the waste and think a little before we, we make things and bring back the value? Provided you wake up every morning and you're aware of the fact that your wardrobe is in the fashion supply chain, then you're a fashion decision maker. Join me every week as we talk ethics, sustainability and the business and madness of fashion. From who made your clothes, to how they impact on the environment, to the politics of personal style. What's your favourite global goal? It's not a trick question, but can you answer it? Have you even heard of the Global Goals, otherwise known as the UN Sustainable Development Goals, or the SDGs? Now don't feel bad if you haven't because while these 17 goals that were created by the United Nations as a roadmap for our sustainable future are really important, they're just not as well known as they should be. Now, some countries are doing great work in promoting and advancing them, but others, including, I'm sad to say, Australia, have a pretty ordinary record on progress so far. If you're listening outside of Australia and you're like, what are you talking about, pretty ordinary? That is a great Aussie phrase and you can probably guess it is a bit of an understatement. <laughs> pretty ordinary means absolutely terrible. Anyway, our guest this week wants to change awareness around the global goals. He is Cameron Saul, the British social entrepreneur behind Bottle Top. Do you know about that business? It's fantastic. It's like one of the original businesses with purpose that Sustainability Nuts have been obsessing over since it launched in 2002. Now, if you haven't heard of that either, maybe you know the name of Cameron's dad's little luxury brand. It's Mulberry. Yep that much-loved handbag label that led the whole it-bag craze in the noughties. Now, it was his dad, Roger, that Cameron first had to convince to back a potentially crazy idea that a little bag made from rubbish in the form of upcycled bottle tops could be a hit. He started working with a business partner, his mate Oliver Wayman, and Oliver was in Brazil when he discovered another Rather inspiring little bag. This one was chainmail and it reminded him of the Spanish designer Paco Raban's work from the 60s. Have you ever seen this? I read about it in Wardrobe Crisis. Raban worked with non traditional materials like wood and metal and made these kind of very headline making dresses. There was a little mini dress from 1967, a metal shiny silver one that was debuted on his Paris couture runway and it was in all the papers. Ollie's Brazilian find wasn't quite as flashy as that. It was made from wrinkles from aluminium cans and these were held together with crochet. Fast forward and their company Bottle Top has a thriving fair work atelier based in Brazil where it gives work and training opportunities to locals and it also funds the Bottle Top Foundation which supports young people in Malawi, Mozambique, Rwanda, Brazil, and also in the UK and tackles issues like HIV and AIDS and drug abuse and teenage pregnancy. Now we're going to hear all about that. But the main point of this podcast is to talk about the global goals and about Tops' new venture. So Cameron has launched a new project called Together Band, and it's all about bringing active citizens together to make the global goals a reality. And the Together Band's is actually a bracelet. Now let Cameron tell you all about that. It's pretty cool. Before we dive in, where are you listening? No, not in the car or in the shower, as in which app are you using? If you're listening in Apple Podcasts or in Spotify or in Stitcher, don't forget to hit subscribe. And please do tell your friends. I'm so, so grateful when you help me spread the word. Actually, can you do me a favour? <laughs> don't ask, don't get right. If you like the show, Please consider rating and reviewing it. It really helps other people find us. And we've got loads of good reviews and ratings in Apple Podcasts, in iTunes, but none in Stitcher. So if you're listening, we're newly on there. Give us a rating. Talking of finding people, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Mrs. Press. And you can find Cameron in your ears in a moment. Now,
1: <laughs> ready? Let's do it.
0: Cameron, thank you so much for making time in your ridiculous schedule to do this podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. We're
0: going to start talking all about the Sustainable Development Goals. Awesome. A.K.A. SDGs.
1: SDGs or Global Goals, depending on which uh, in which camp you sit.
0: Aha. huh Didn't know that.
1: <laughs> Not many do. Well, no, it's, they are referred to by folks at the UN as the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, but actually, the team who have been created and are responsible for making everyone in the world aware of the goals, who are called Project Everyone, which is Richard Curtis and his team of awesome ninja heroes. We're not Richard um, Curtis
0: who made Four Weddings and Funerals.
1: Except the very one and same. Get out! Yes. So I did the, not know the, that. The, the legendary philanthropist that also co-founded Comic Relief is the man that the UN called on to help them spread the word about the goals. What,
0: because he's an awesome communicator?
1: Because he's an awesome communicator, yeah. So he was charged with developing the iconography that is that really very chic very um sort of reduced Color Spectrum, which is the logo for the Global Goals. And um, they are a small, brilliant team that we've been working very closely with over the last few years to advance the goals and make everyone in the world aware of them, hence the name Project Everyone.
0: If any of you haven't yet really looked into the Global Goals, you may well have seen that logo worn as a pin. It's a circle with the 17 colours around it. Yeah. So if you see that on someone's lapel, that's what it is. Okay, so... The Global Goals, I'm going to call them that now, um, were adopted by countries in 2015 at a UN summit with the target to achieve them by 2030. Mm -hmm. According to the UN, they are the blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. They address the global challenges we face and they're related to things like poverty, inequality, climate and the degradation of environment, but also peace and justice. And the whole idea is that they leave no one behind. But Cameron... I feel like, and I'm culpable because I didn't know about Richard Curtis, people don't know about them or enough about them or enough people don't, what do you think?
1: I could not agree with you more and that's why we have been working over the last three and a half years, taking our approach that we take with Bottletop, which is about using sustainable design and creative culture, particularly involving music and contemporary art, to bring people on a journey that is about involving them in otherwise quite complex development issues Mm -hmm. um, and using culture as the protagonist to to bring people into that conversation.
0: Because even though the UN is for everyone, I feel that people feel potentially, okay, this is high-level government stuff. It's not related to me.
1: Totally. And I think we're now coming into this um, incredibly fragile and delicate time uh, where I think we're all realising how the consequences of our daily choices are having increasingly dangerous implications in terms of the health of the planet and we want solutions but what most of us don't realize is that actually there is a route map for a healthy planet and that has been that is the global goals and so our belief is that it's an extraordinary framework for action it's a framework for scaling solutions and helping us achieve that healthy future for our ourselves our children and our children's children and how do we bridge the gap between those that know and if you spend time at the un general assembly or in any of those kinds of of high high level environments there's tons of pins everyone is talking the global goals talk and is you know kind of absolutely on the same page but then you walk out on the street and nobody knows what what they are
0: um anecdotally my friend Patrick Duffy, who's been on this podcast, came to... Actually, it's all about... I <laughs> don't mean to... Sorry, it's all about saying Australia's behind, but we actually are. But Patrick's from New York. He came and did a talk in Melbourne, and he opened it by saying, who knows about the SDGs, and no one put their hand up. I've had really quite similar experiences asking people if they recognise the colour coding or what yeah. they are, and they don't. Yeah. And recently in Sydney at a an event called Raw Assembly that was all about new materials. We had a fantastic speaker who came and talked about the global goals and the SDG framework. Mm -hmm. And really, even in sustainability circles, people weren't really across it. They recognized the colors, but they, they didn't really know what it all meant.
1: Yeah. I think that's common everywhere. Listen, 17 is a lot. And I think that's been the the fundamental impediment to people. And they're massive. Yeah, and they're massive. So they feel like big lofty things that, how do I relate to that in my life? What does that mean to me? And how could I possibly make a difference within those uh, respects? But of course, we can all make a difference. And actually, it is about what we as creatives need to do are find ways to engage people that... Exactly do that, make Mm. them tangible, make them um, engageable and help people to feel like they're a part of that conversation.
0: Let's talk about what they are then. There are 17 of them. Do you want to whip us through top line what they are? And we'll share some links so people can read more deeply around each one.
1: Of course, yeah, I'll I'll do my very best. So um, as you mentioned, really it's about reducing poverty and improving peace and prosperity for all by 2030. But I'll give you the quick countdown or count up actually from number 1 uh, which is no poverty and that obviously is about livelihood creation on a scale and working towards eradicating poverty in all of its forms by the year 2030.
0: I mean can I just say not going to yeah. happen. I mean that's one of the problems with this isn't it that eradicating poverty is a lof- yeah. is a noble and good goal to have but I can't see how we could possibly do it by 20 anything.
1: Well I think you've got to have goals, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I can't argue with that statement, but equally, you've got to have goals. Um, so let's move on to zero hunger. Hunger is still the leading cause of death in the world.
0: And actually, we could solve hunger because we waste a third of food that's grown produced. Yeah. I mean, it, these goals are enormous, and they are, in a way, they seem impossible mountains to climb. But at the same time, this is about finding pieces of the solution that we can move towards those goals on.
1: Completely. And some of
0: them, actually, if there was more global collaboration, we could and move smart that thinking way. and use yeah. of
1: technology in the right way. I think that's the thing. You see that kind of disparity, needless in many cases. And yeah, hunger is one of those areas where you're like, that just shouldn't exist in, in today's world, let alone be the still the biggest killer globally. I mean what? So that's zero hunger, then we have good health and well-being is global goal number three. And over the last 15 years, the number of childhood deaths has halved, which proves that it is possible to win the fight against almost any disease. Mm. The focus on this is particularly around healthy lifestyles and preventative measures and modern efficient healthcare for for everyone which I think no one can disagree with Uh, quality education I think is really fundamental Uh, Mm -hmm. goal number four uh, I'm just going
0: to say in fairness because we're going to get onto how terribly Australia performs on the global goals but we do well on numbers two three and four
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Yeah, well, I'm happy that... Actually, qu- not too, because we're, we're food
0: wasters, but we did okay. have quite high scores on, on the education. I know that that is common okay. in advanced economies, but at least, yeah. we can, at least we can be happy about we can, that, because I'm about to poor score yeah, on Australia. Yeah, let's, ho-
1: let's hold that one up high while we can. <laughs> Obviously, quality education, I think, just links into so many of them. And I think that's the, the interesting thing about the goals as a framework, is once you actually... Take a close look at them and and start yeah. having a route around. You realise that actually they're all interlinked of in different course. ways. And
0: we're going to come on later to your own personal experience of the education space and the work you did yeah. in Uganda. Yeah, that's personal to you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. it's so, yeah. number five on a
1: on a personal level? Quality education is is how our journey with Bottle Top began, oh. and so yeah, that that one when I asked is is generally either number one or number two, and. It's generally interchangeable with gender equality, which is goal number five, and I think is, again, we all know that this is about closing the gap on all levels. Gender equality is obviously about creating mass opportunity for women all over the world. Uh, It's about empowerment. I would also like for gender equality to speak to LGBTQ rights, uh, which it actually doesn't Reference in the sub goals for that area, which I think is interesting that it doesn't. Um, Mm. I think it's obviously a hot topic at the moment and one that I think we feel particularly strongly about. Um, So I will hope that that is is amended in as time passes. We've then got clean water, um, where one in three are still living without uh, sanitation globally and so this is about ensuring the availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all
0: and actually i'm not sure what form it would take but i'm interested in creating a podcast just about fashion and water use i did a talk in berlin in january about this and I mean, fashion just guzzles water like there's no tomorrow. And yeah. the UN has named this decade to 2028 Water Action Decade. Yeah, We only have a certain amount of fresh water on this planet available. It is yeah. finite. We're, there's more of us who need it and we're polluting more of it. Yeah. And fashion has a huge role to play. Huge so, role. Huge come role. come back to that one maybe.
1: Yeah, so if you realise that, and I think lifting the lid on that is is really key. We then have affordable and clean energy, which is global goal number seven. I think fundamentally our reliance on fossil fuels is unsustainable and harmful to the planet. I think that's a critical one. Decent work and economic growth is really about promoting sustained, inclusive and sustainable economic growth and generating those kinds of employment opportunities and and decent work for everyone industry innovation and infrastructure is about building resilient infrastructure and yeah inclusive and sustainable industries around the world Um, goal number 10 reduced inequalities is really about balancing prosperity and i think closing that enormous wealth gap that we continue to see around the world i just got back from brazil and i still find it bonkers the scale of that wealth gap you know in places In emerging economies like Brazil, where you have such significant wealth and concentrated in such so few hands Mm. in such an enormous country.
0: And also, as we are all aware, the gap is widening.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a a big one. We then have sustainable cities and communities.
0: I like this one because I feel like there's a lot that we can actually work on locally on the smaller scale that can help us move towards this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Goal 12, responsible consumption and production. Again, obviously, you know, very much related to the fashion industry, I think, as we've all woken up to the impact that fashion has on the planet. We've been... Blessed with this abundance of natural resources on planet Earth, um, but we haven't exactly utilized them responsibly and currently consume far, far beyond what our little planet can provide. So I think learning how to use and produce in sustainable ways is critical here, and that's obviously a conversation that is is escalating in the fashion space and You've been playing a key role in that. So thank you, Claire, for your work in really driving that conversation. Mm,
0: Thank you. I'm not going to take the credit, but I do think we are riding now a new wave of interest in this stuff that people are really questioning it. Too much consumption, and everyone knows our resources are finite.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in
0: the fashion conversation, I think we're really starting to look quite deeply into that. There's been a lot of talk this week, just in my social media world, about shopping detox is actually giving up buying anything
1: nice
0: um, there's an organisation that's based in Amsterdam that's launching from June to September something called Slow Fashion Season oh, cool. they did it last year the aim is to get 10,000 people to commit to signing up to buying nothing new great it's not about buying nothing new forever yeah. it's just about recalibrating your approach to what you need yeah and during that time, you can still rent, you can still borrow and swap, yeah. and it's going to kick you into thinking about how you might access fashion in different ways.
1: Awesome. I think... I yeah. might do it, yeah. but I'm
0: worried about being a hypocrite. It's difficult if you work for a fashion magazine, yeah, which I love doing, and I'm proud to work for Vogue. Can I support something that says, we're not going to shop for three months? I'm not sure. Does yeah. that make me a hypocrite? I'm thinking about doing it.
1: Do it. Let us know how you get on. I think we need that first-hand experience from someone who's actually in that position because I think that makes it even more of a powerful experience. I think we have to rethink our consumption. It's as as simple as that.
0: Part of my worries about doing it also are rooted in the fact that I support sustainable businesses yeah. and designers who are trying to do the right thing and yeah. I also understand the pressures of having for example a small shop and people message me and say how can you say that like it's hard enough in this environment yeah. to, to make something with integrity and then yeah. to reach the market the last thing i need is you saying don't shop for 3 months yeah but then again as our shopping is out of control culturally business the world is not going to crumble if we all just rethink for a few months in order to try and change the balance of how we access stuff i think
1: absolutely and listen you know we also obviously depend on people buying our handbags at bottle top and our collection but we would be the first to tell people to only buy things that they really truly love and they're gonna use again and again and again and hand on to a dear friend or a or family member i think that's mm. we've got to consume less What's the next one? Next up is climate change, oh. goal number 13. I think we all probably know a little bit about that. This is all about taking urgent action to combat climate change and its impacts. So, yeah, I think keeping ourselves within that critical 1.5 degrees. Um,
0: I, I prepared something earlier. Here's one I made earlier, Cameron.
1: Uh, <laughs> what have you got for us?
0: As I mentioned in the intro, Australia is performing dismally. When it comes to global goals, but the worst is my personal favourite goal, which is number 13 climate action. Australia is the worst performer in the world. Sit with that, please. I couldn't believe that. The worst. We're I worse than Afghanistan. not believe that. We are the worst. How? We're worse than OPEC countries. We How? are the worst. How? Part of it is to do with the fact that they changed the way they measured performance okay. to now include the carbon emissions we export. Okay. And because we are a fantastic coal mining nation Not only have we taken absolutely bugger all action To protect our own environment, reduce our own emissions Our government is run by a coal fan Everyone knows Scott Morrison came into Parliament with a lump of coal Yes, right. he okay. did But I wow. prepared this to read to you because I think it is interesting Because this stuff should be above politics So, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres Nailed it has appealed for leadership from politicians, businesses, scientists and everyone on climate action. And this is what he said. We have the tools to make our actions effective, but what we lack is the political ambition and leadership to do what is needed We were warned, scientists have been telling us for decades, but far too many leaders are refusing to listen. The world's richest nations are the most responsible for the climate crisis, and yet the effects are being faced, first and worst, by the poorest nations and the most vulnerable communities. There is no more time to waste, he said. We are careering towards the edge of the abyss. Mm. And I read that not to frighten you, but just to say that I think we can get really lost in political infighting and worry about which party we're voting for, etc. But this should be bigger. This should be about pressuring all politicians from all sides and all of our leaders to take the action they need to take morally to try and move us towards, if not zero, lower carbon.
1: 100%, yeah. Speech said. (laughs) Couldn't couldn't agree with you more. Speech Um, welcomed, yeah absolutely
0: what's your take is. on this actually i've got a question for you i'm really worried about flying and i fly all the time you've just yeah. come back from brazil and yeah. you're going to venice yeah i am here in london via copenhagen from sydney and i'm going to go back to sydney and then come back again in not a very long time to come to brussels yeah. to do something for the united nations yeah. so i tell myself oh well i need to do this to do the work that i do but I don't know how do you feel about flying Cameron <laughs>
1: um I, yeah I don't feel great about it um and you know we've been weighing up different carbon offsetting schemes and you know we've got one that we think is as good as we can find but is it does it work as cleanly as that I don't mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. I would just like to think that the development of better and more sophisticated ways to offset the carbon is at least something
0: it does come down to what you're willing to personally sacrifice I tell myself and to some extent I think it's true that I try very hard in other ways to cut my own personal carbon footprint yeah let drive yeah I've given up meat actually now I gave up meat for climate reasons awesome I public transport everywhere where i'm not flying yeah i also don't have kids now i didn't choose not to have kids for climate however if you look at the impact that each person has in terms of their carbon footprint having kids is actually bad and you can't not have kids for climate so it's always
1: difficult we can't be
0: perfect i don't know we just have to keep questioning ourselves
1: and i just think having a level of awareness you know having a sense of what that footprint is in each of those different areas is first base i'm
0: going to try and fly less
1: yeah do it
0: Okay, number 14 and let's whip through them quick.
1: 14 is life below water. I think we've all been shocked by the uh, by the plastics crisis choking the life in our oceans. So, yeah, this is really about conserving and sustainably using the ocean seas and marine resources for sustainable development. So, I think nothing to argue with there. Goal number 15 is life on land, uh, which is all about protecting, restoring and promoting sustainable use of ecosystems, protecting our forests, combating desertification and halting and reversing land degradation and biodiversity loss. Uh, So there's a myriad of different issues there, critical issues in the life on land uh, zone. And obviously the recent UN report, you know, outlining the, the million species that are at serious risk of, of being lost, um, I think, of making us bringing this into sharp focus.
0: I said that we're going to zip through this, but actually I want to linger on this for a moment because you've just been in Brazil focusing specifically on this one.
1: Yeah, we have. We've just been trying to dive into this issue, particularly with regards to the Amazon rainforest. We shot a beautiful short film telling the story of a wild rubber tapper in Acre, amongst the sort of farthest corner of the brazilian amazon where they've really identified that these wild rubber tappers are the are the best stewards of the rainforest and not only is tapping this uh, natural latex from the trees a way to protect the trees but it also is a way for them to earn an income that protects themselves and their families and the guy that we spent time filming was teaching his son how to do it and he'd been taught by his father and
0: You made this film with Andrew Morgan?
1: Absolutely, he we did. made The True Cost? Who made The True Cost, yeah, lovely Andrew. So no, we're, this is all part of our, our approach to telling stories uh, through the lens of individuals all around the world working to make a difference in each of these 17 crucial areas so that you know, it hopefully gives people a sense of, actually, this is achievable. We can address these issues on a personal level.
0: So how are they able to look after the forest by uh, raising rubber in this way?
1: Um, well, effectively, the rubber trees grow. The rubber trees are there. And so they, and they're and they able to harvest the rubber from the trees. And basically, there's a permanent threat from logging, both from cattle ranchers, as we know, ranching for beef with leather as a byproduct or as a part of the equation is, a, is the major issue in Brazil. And these guys become extraordinary stewards of the forest because their livelihoods are derived from the trees.
0: If people don't know, though, they're not cutting down these trees. When we say tapping, what are they doing?
1: They're actually cutting little, um, almost stripes in the bark of the tree and then um, allowing the, the rubber to drain into a little cup, uh, which they then process. Uh, so, no, the trees are absolutely happy. They're just um, getting what looks like a cool tattoo on the outside. Um, the trees are happy. Yeah, the trees are absolutely happy about the situation, yeah.
0: What's the number next one? Next remember. one
1: up is goal number 16, peace, justice and strong institutions, um, which is yeah very much about promoting peaceful and inclusive societies for sustainable development um, and promoting justice uh, for all and yeah building effective and accountable and inclusive institutions.
0: Okay, and 17 is...?
1: Number 17 is partnerships for the goals. So that's about really everyone coming together unilaterally, you know, across the, the sort of corporate and NGO and yeah, wider spectrum to advance the goals.
0: Awesome. Actually, interestingly, Safia Mini, the founder of People Tree, who's been on this podcast, she recently suggested that there should be an 18th goal and that one would be using the power of communications media and activism to promote the sdgs and what she's basically saying is the media needs to step up and really engage with this whole framework and i love it so there you go maybe we should have an 18th
1: absolutely i think you know media has such a key role to play in the whole spreading of the awareness but i think it's also you know it's how do we bring people into the conversation and that's really what we've how do we make it easy for the media to talk about these topics?
0: Well, you've got a way. So We have. we just spent almost all this podcast talking about the why yeah. without talking about the what. <laughs> the
1: how. So we met the, the brilliant Amina Mohammed, who is the Deputy Secretary General of the UN, back in September 2015, which was when they announced the goals. And we were hosting a, an event in New York during Fashion Week, and she came along. And um, we got talking about it and realized that actually Bottle Top addresses 12 of the 17 goals through our work as a social enterprise and foundation. And so Amina connected us with the UN Foundation and basically they were sort of saying, you know, what can you do to help us spread the word about the goals? Um, and so we thought, OK, how can we yeah, use our toolkit and our approach? And so we designed a product that could be universal, that everyone could buy and share. And what we wanted to set out to do was have the general public of the world become the conduits to the goals and actually the ones sharing the goals as opposed to being the ones feeling left out of the conversation. So, of course, what we tend to do is design things from upcycled or sustainably sourced materials. And obviously, friendship Bands and bracelets have been an amazing way for people to engage with causes forever, particularly close to our hearts because of in Bahia, where our main atelier is, you have this. Which
0: is where? uh, In
1: the northeast of Brazil. You have this amazing sort of good luck tradition where you have the brightly colored bracelets, the Bonfim de Bahia that people tie on your wrist and, you know, they tie on three knots and it's it's a good luck charm and so on and you wait for it to fall off. So we've always been aware of those and so we thought, okay, let's basically design a gorgeous together band, which is what they're called. Um, and they're made from ocean plastic and illegal firearm metal. So... A, Let
0: a, me just stop you there.
1: Yeah. Where do you get that from? Um, it's this amazing metal called Humanium, which we came across that is sourced... Uh, from conflict areas in El Salvador by this extraordinary oh, Swedish NGO. yeah, And it's won all kinds of prizes and is an extraordinary process where they actually involve the young people that are caught up in the struggles in the melting down of the weaponry. Um, so deeply symbolic. And Incredible. So the clasps, which are obviously in the shape or silhouette of our uh, signature material, which are the tabs from the cans or the ring pulls, depending on which country you're uh, having this conversation in. So in the shape of the ring pull and... And, of course, by choosing your colour of Together Band, you're choosing the, the goal that is closest to your heart.
0: And you get two because the idea is that you give one to someone you love.
1: Exactly. So Or
0: not. Could give one to someone that you want to change the mind of who you don't really know.
1: Completely. Whatever you, could, you like. You could give it to someone who is a bit of an expert in the area as an honorary treat or someone who will give you stick if you are not giving it to them so i think all of the options
0: where do you source the ocean plastic from
1: the ocean plastic is through a partner of ours called bionic yarn i um, know them tim coombs tim coombs indeed lovely tim tim and tyson Tim and Tyson and they are collecting the ocean plastic from Costa Rica and then we're doing the assembly of the bands in Kathmandu and Nepal where we work with two extraordinary local NGOs where they're effectively protecting women from quite high-risk situations, uh, human trafficking and really giving them safe shelter.
0: It's so beautiful that you're doing all these different stages of, I'm going to say social enterprise, but that the project has hope in so many different areas so you're looking yeah. at upcycled materials but each story is very i mean it's the best story to be able to tell someone when someone comments on your band right yeah yeah but the, then you've got all these different stories of makers and yeah. of charities and of areas we can make change
1: yeah we, we really wanted this to be about multiplying impact on lots of levels and really people being able to buy something which enables them to know that they're having a real impact on the majority of the global goals without doing anything else. But also it's obviously a symbol for that one that's closest to their heart. So it's a nice way for people to feel like they can already make a difference.
0: Am I right in saying that you're also removing a certain amount of ocean plastic in addition to using upcycled plastic in the band?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So it's both using ocean plastic in the making of the bands and then we retrieve a further kilo of ocean plastic per sale of the bands and for the special edition bands that we've done made from the wild rubber which is obviously what took us into the rainforest and the discovery of this extraordinary material over there uh we're conserving two trees in the amazon with the purchase of the wild rubber bands so again multiple impact on lots of different levels
0: is the campaign a finite one? Is it across 17 months? Did I get yep. that right?
1: Yeah, so we launched on Earth Day on April 22nd, and we're counting down the months goal by goal, really trying to give each global goal its time to shine, its time in the spotlight, and staging these exciting cultural events and activations as we just did in the in the rainforest in Brazil to help bring people into the conversation.
0: And this is going to come out just after EcoAge has joined forces with Lucy Siegel to clean rivers
1: yes we've got all kinds of exciting life below water activations so great up our sleeve for that goal
0: now if listeners aren't aware of bottle top but i bet you all are because it was the kind of first or one of the early great ethical fashion stories but let's just talk a little bit about how you began I mentioned sure. actually that you started with education, just tell us about going to Uganda and perhaps just briefly about how that then translated into Bottle Top.
1: Yeah absolutely, so um, the journey for me began 17 years ago, I finished school and wanted to take a gap year as some of us do and Worked in the fashion industry in Europe for six months, um, getting experience in uh, in Paris and Milan. Who for? Um, I've heard I,
0: you say that before and I've always wondered
1: where. Ah, um, I worked for Hugo Boss Did actually it? in Paris and I worked for Mulberry, uh, which was my, my father's company. And I worked for a menswear designer in Milan called Maurizio Baldessari. And yeah, but then just really wanted to have a very different kind of experience. And I'd heard about this amazing NGO that would take volunteers from Western countries and put them in really remote corners of developing countries to work in peer education with local students and predominantly tackling those kind of delicate teenage health issues that aren't generally part of the curriculum and aren't generally taught in the classroom. So a chance to address some of that really sensitive stuff that at that time... We're talking back in 2000 was, you know, HIV AIDS was still yeah having a devastating effect on particularly sub-Saharan Africa. So um, I volunteered and went to Uganda and lived up in the mountains for nine months teaching particularly around sexual and reproductive health education, but also covering all of the fundamentals of sort of sanitation and hygiene.
0: I like how I heard you give a talk in Selfridges where you said you got there and you couldn't speak the language and you're basically just trying to speak in English thinking I can't do this, don't even know how to do it. But it really did work because in the end the kids took this on board and started to teach it themselves to their peers which that's the power isn't it?
1: Yeah absolutely and that was why I was really inspired to want to continue supporting that kind of work when that sort of work that experience finished after the nine months and having sort of grown up in the fashion space that was my go-to in terms of how could we use that but I was inspired by this bottle top handbag that I'd found in the village that the uh, the girl who I was living and teaching with brought back from the craft market in Kampala and I just thought yeah that's cool we can sell lots of those
0: what were they all held together with
1: Unsurprisingly, they were all held together by bottle tops, recycled tops from glass bottles. Yeah, but
0: how did they stick them together?
1: I was on a wire frame
0: wire, and then yeah. with fabric inside, or did you add that?
1: No, it was just this kind of um, quite scratchy, yeah, kind of basket bag that anything tiny would fall through it. But <laughs> um, so not entirely practical, but was but oozing upcycling. charm.
0: But original upcycling out of necessity and out of yeah. just you know waste having a value. Yeah. There was a time when mulberry. I mean, it's still like this, but this was high point it bag time there was a time when mulberry made bags that literally i would have sold i didn't have anything to sell if i had anything to sell i would have sold it to get a base water it was like an it bag that you needed to have and people used to dream about them and you know i've written about this extensively because it was an interesting period the it bag period yeah but mulberry was the leader
1: yeah and
0: those bags were very actually i don't think glamorous is the word practical though weren't they i mean just good well made made in britain yeah beautiful Kate Moss had one. Yeah. Not very much in common with a basket bag made of the top soft bottles.
1: No, um, but equally, I think there's always been a lot of commonality between our approach to quality design. Um, and I think Mulberry was built on quality design. And I think what we've set out to do with Bottle Top is source really interesting and fascinating design and local production techniques where we can then, inject our our experience in in trying to elevate those things and achieving a, a, a similar quality level that, that we can all be proud and excited by and presenting those designs. Your
0: you dad got involved with the foundation in 2002 when you started it. What yeah, did we, he teach you? Uh, I mean as a kid like did he inject these values in you? What?
1: Um, I think he just taught me by by doing really you know he was always deeply passionate about the work that he did and the design aspect and I think through all of his energy into his work with extraordinary passion and that that was infectious and I think you know I've 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 always um approached Bottletop in a similar way.
0: I was, as I asked you that I thought maybe it was the other way around maybe you injected a passion for social justice in your dad. Uh,
1: yeah I mean I think that yeah definitely it's it's been a A process of exchange you know i think i was always aware of the extraordinary philanthropic work that they did through mulberry during the life of the brand you know they were always supporting multiple different charities and causes and using the the brand as a platform to give back and so that that was always an obvious use of brand power if you like to give back
0: but you are specifically in the business of purpose
1: yes absolutely
0: what drives it
1: I think the the impact is what drives it, you know, having seen and spent time in these communities with with these incredible people, um, seeing them making beautiful things that they're proud of and enjoying the process is is all of the fuel and inspiration that we need to do what we do. You know, I think if if you spend time at the Bottletop Atelier, it's pretty hard not to come walk out of there feeling inspired.
0: From Africa, you then went to Brazil and it was a new kind of upcycled design that caught your eye.
1: Yes. So I had met my business partner, Ollie, who's getting married tomorrow. Um, you have to go. And, um,
0: <laughs> sorry, Ollie.
1: Sorry, You're Ollie. You're the best man and um, I just
0: made you talk to me instead of going to a wedding. I'm not.
1: I'm on, on usher duty, which I'm very, very proud and excited to be. And Ollie's mother had been given a, a bag from Brazil um, at the time that we were working on a record because we also use music and contemporary art to raise funds for our, our health education projects with Bottletop. And um, Ollie's mum had been given this bag made from the recycled pulls from, from cans which had this kind of sporty chainmail aesthetic which we loved. And so that has been a signature material that we've developed in lots of different ways.
0: And just before we finish up, can we just talk a little bit about who makes the product and how and why that also gives back?
1: Well, that's, so our our atelier in Salvador Bahia is all staffed by local ladies who are from the community, uh, who otherwise, you know, have, have generally been unemployed. And we put them through a skills training program, which teaches them how to do the various techniques that we, that we employ at the atelier. And, um, Yeah, they're an extraordinary bunch, highly skilled now. And some of them have been working with us for over 13 years and are creating pieces that sell in sort of high fashion environments all around the world. And these are highly skilled men and women who are doing extraordinary work.
0: And do you pay a living wage?
1: Absolutely pay a living wage. And we provide them with health insurance, all of the right things.
0: I just want to finish up by asking you, how can listeners get involved With the SDGs and with Together Band and what's your parting call to action?
1: So parting call to action to the world is to (laughs) choose the global goal that matters most to you. And so please go to togetherband.org to learn about the goals, to dip into the ones that catch your eye and that you perhaps feel speak to you. And yeah, choose your band Wear your band, share your goal with somebody that you love, preferably. And yeah, be a part of sharing this because, you know, it is, we believe firmly, the the best route map that we have for a healthy planet. And now is the time for us all to be grasping it.
0: Yes. <laughs> I'll back that. Thank you very awesome. much, Cameron Tall.
1: Thank you, Claire. So
0: it's getting hard. My parents feel that. Thank you for listening to Wardrobe Crisis. To learn more about our guests and the issues that we've spoken about today, hop on over to my website, which is clairepress.com forward slash podcast. You can get in touch there and I really hope you will. I'd love to hear from you. And you can also find links to my social media. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please head over to iTunes and subscribe. You know what they say, first in, best dressed. Subscribers are first to find out when there's a new episode and it also helps other people discover Wardrobe Crisis, so I'd love your help with that. Because the more people who switch on to ethical fashion, the better. Music is by Montaigne. She recorded this special acoustic version of Cos I Love You, which is from her Glorious Heights album, especially for Wardrobe Crisis. How good is that? Thank you, Montaigne. Cause I love you!